0: All right, for this episode, we'll be talking about Velvet Underground's White Light and White Heat. In the room, I have Rob, mm. Ben, John, and <laughs> Brady. Oh, yeah. White Light and White Heat is the second studio album by American rock band, the Velvet Underground, released in January 30th of 1968. On the Verve record label, it was produced by Tom Wilson, and the genre is experimental rock, noise rock, proto-punk, art rock. After the disappointing sales of The Velvet Underground's first album, The Velvet Underground and Nico, in 1967, the band's relationship with Andy Warhol deteriorated and they parted ways with Nico. They toured throughout most of 1967 with many of their live performances featuring noisy improvisations that would become key elements on White Light, White Heat. Recorded in a short fury of studio sessions in September of 1967, the album is a visceral audio assault of overdriven instruments, and lyrics about methamphetamine abuse, botched medical procedures, violence, and of course, heroin-dealing drag queens. Kale recalled, The first one had some genteel, some beauty. The second one was consciously anti-beauty. It's a shocking and alienating record that thrives on bizarre lyrics that never seem to fit with the drawn-out sonic shards that crash like waves into the listener. Sister Ray's 17-minute uh, noise opus that compelled one audio engineer to leave the studio spirals <laughs> into murky dissonance. But for all the woes and praise, the Velvets sound like they are building the anti-rock or art-rock foundation for others to follow. All right, what do we think of White Light, White Heat?
1: It is a difficult record. Yeah. Mm, yeah, but that I, being said, it's a cool record. Overall, I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. <laughs> uh, it's your boy Tom Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, your boy, Tom Wilson. <laughs> it's, it's my boy, Tom Wilson. Yeah. I, I Seriously, I've said it before. This, this project is making me realize how important Tom Wilson has been into the music that I listen to. He's all over he's, he's it. The what, what cool everything
0: else? cool. I mean, he's, he's the Verve guy. So sure. anything and, Verve, he's producing. Uh,
1: yeah, Bob Dylan, Frank Zappa, Simon and Garfunkel, hmm. uh, all sorts of cool stuff. He was the producer that, like, if you're like, I'm going to do something weird, he's going to be like, all right. Yeah. He's like, here's 500 bucks. Go out and buy some weird stuff.
0: However, that being said, I did read about Tom Wilson famously having shenanigans in the studio with a lot of women, not turning up certain mics when they should have been turned up because he was distracted uh, by uh, the, quote, ladies of the night. He's he's a cool guy. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Cool guys (laughs) like prostitutes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, difficult is
3: a very good uh, word to use. Um, I mean, I'm all for um, some some dissonance, some atonal stuff. And and not all of this album is that. I mean, White, White Light, White Heat is a pretty straightforward... Rocker um, mm-hmm. and I like the sort of juxtaposition of the you know the call-and-response vocals and the you know, Classic structure there to talking about just getting crazy on meth uh,
0: <laughs> What do you guys think about the lyrics too? cuz ha- of ha- the ha- gift uh, just in general sucking on my ding-dong? Uh, oh, yeah. No. yeah,
2: that became what originally I thought, you know, I, I can't listen to a 17-minute song it's gonna become so frustrating but as I listened to it over and over again, and they repeated the refrain, "Sucking on a ding dong," and I was like, "Oh man, here it comes!" I can just scream along, "Sucking on a ding dong." And uh, I eventually got into it. So, you know, the the lyrics are um, they're not poet. Well, I guess you they, could say they are I think poetry. they Literally, are they? Yeah. Literally, are uh, they're not um, laborious. They're approachable lyrics, uh, but they are in a non-traditional fashion. <laughs>
1: Well, like uh, like Sister Ray, the song where he's talking about. Well, he he mentioned that he's sucking on a ding dong. Then he also mentions that someone else is sucking, sucking on his ding, ding dong. dong. Yes, it's uh, believe it or not, it's about an orgy gone wrong. Hmm. hmm. There's not layers on that. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like lyrically, I think this stuff is it's cool. It's subversive. Like he's he's writing. You know, like it's Velvet Underground. He's writing about like you know the underbelly of of like American culture that no one else is at this point, at least musically like there's there's authors like there's like Bukowski and stuff like but like musically not that many people are talking about this stuff in such a matter of fact way as Lou Reed, who like in just his deadpan delivery and like, yeah, I was sucking on a ding dong. (laughs) What what of it? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the,
3: the the attitude in
0: in especially Reed, but the whole band in general comes across. That's what I noticed with this one just, and the first one. The first one it sounded shit. like they wanted to make so, like a some sort of art piece cohesive, and this is all attitude. It's like straight yeah. ahead. We're gonna, you know, make this uh, experience this noise experience that you're going to have. Yeah.
1: Like that first one, you know, if there was ever like a shot for like this weird band. That was it. Like Andy Warhol's on board. The first album. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, Andy Warhol's on board. Uh like they, like they could have some potential momentum behind this. So they make it, yeah, like part like parts of it have like a soft touch of that first record, and then it didn't sell well. And then it not selling well kind of like caused like a bit of a rift between Warhol and them. Warhol's no longer a part. Was that so, what it was?
3: He just he was
1: bummed well, or well, not not that necessarily it but it just wasn't a good business venture really for him anymore. He's not gonna keep on pouring. Money into it, sure. uh, like I don't know if there's a rift on a personal level. I, I was think like Warhol
0: per- kind of wanted to keep working, and Lou Reed was like, "I don't want to do your thing anymore. God. I mm-hmm. want my own thing." Sure, and especially and Kale and Reed also, yeah. uh, the, you know, clashing of two two very strong uh, willed people. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's <laughs> like this one. Yeah, like it's intentionally just it, every every part of it that's rough and difficult is. Entirely intentional, and like I read like a quote by Sterling Morrison who said, like, he said, like, every member of the band was pulling the same direction. He goes, Sometimes we were pulling ourselves off a cliff, but we were all pulling the same way, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and yeah. like, I thought that like, that was cool. Like, before yeah. I had like read up on that, I was just kind of like, Man, this album's difficult, and there's other albums that by like the Velvet Underground, even that are way less difficult. Why wouldn't I be listening to one of those? But then like, I get a bit of that background and just like, yeah, it's difficult because they wanted it to be difficult. It's like, I respect that, you know? Yeah, they're
0: trying
3: to do something. And you you can hear the influences or what they would then influence in so many of these songs just for, you know, still um, Mm -hmm. so many bands that just... Sound like exactly that. Birth of noise rock. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's proto noise, yeah. proto punk sort of sort of stuff, um, where this yeah this attitude sort of reigns supreme. I mean they're you know half of the songs are playing a simple repetitive you know four bar groove over and over with just reed squawking on the guitar and you know sort of. Huffing off some lyrics here and there, but none of it seems to have a, a terrible amount of structure or, or complexity. Uh, except for then we're getting to this song, which is much more of a throwback uh, to.
1: Right now, listening to Lady Godiva's Operation. Yeah. um Fucking dark, dude. Yeah. I'd never paid attention to the lyrics. I knew this melody. I'd heard the song a half dozen times. But yeah, like last night, I pulled up the lyrics. This song's some dark shit, man.
2: Yeah. Are we correct in saying this song is about a, a transvestite having a lobotomy? A botched, a botched lobotomy. lobotomy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, I was really impressed by the way that the song builds and adds dramatic sort of elements to it. The way that uh, is it Reed that says the flat parts and Kale that does, yeah. The, yeah so call and response. Yeah. There's the like thing, there's yeah. at the end of the the song there's this sort of building to the crescendo and, the, and mm-hmm. then the dramatic. Issue with the botch of the lobotomy. and the responses and, are like
1: out of time. Yeah, and out of time and really out of effect. Yeah. Like uh, it's like out of the studio. Like the first, the whole first half of the song is just Cage singing, and he's just describing Godiva and his sort of you
3: know quaint Welsh yeah, sort of singing voice and melody. And, and, and
1: then the second half of the song, when he starts describing the 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 operation that will be botched, and he gets like key parts of the storytelling, and all of a sudden there's... Lou Reed's voice saying a word, and it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's
3: affectless and flat. Affect, yeah.
1: yeah, it just it sounds like he's like, yeah, just on like a voiceover mic in your head. You know, yeah, uh, so he's I'm he blinded. doesn't he <laughs> doesn't have that like uh, you know, like Cage's vocals. They it's like they fit music. It's like they've got some reverb on them. Yeah, like, they're like living in the same plane as the the music. And then Lou Reed's vocals—it's
0: just like a like
1: a god voiceover out of the mix. Yeah. So yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, there's a lot of elements like that. Lou Reed plays bass on the White white, White Heat at, at out of time over well, loud. Or I love the, his bass part on that and, too. And so it just there's elements here where yeah, you're you're seeing not only them creatively stretching musically, but also doing the weird. Hey, what if we just stuck in this part, you know, as a overdubbed. Weirdness, you know, to kind of mess with the listener a bit. It's, it's things outside of music that they're playing with, which I, I appreciate.
3: And even Reed's bass line in general, he he's he's following closely to the progression. Like it'll go to the one and the four, back to the one, but he'll play like the flat three, and then like sort of as a leading tone into the the four. Uh, and so it, it, there are these great dissonances going on in the bass, which add a little bit more depth to what's a pretty typical one, four, five chord progression. He's throwing this flat three or this flat six or something over these things and it, it gives it a, a nice extra edge there.
0: Uh, today, propping
1: within me Lady Godiva, to see if anyone's there And hasn't occurred is coming the nurse thinks sweetly turning on the machine's that neatly pump air the body lies bare shaved and hairless what once was
3: screaming now lies silent and almost sleeping the
0: brain must have gone away Rob, you're pretty quiet. What do you think? It's fine.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I I I grew up. I've been playing music for a very long time. I I came up, you know, twelve years after this was put out. So there's twelve solid years of bands making music that came into my young ears. Um, that I would rather listen to than this. Um, I appreciate it. Like it, it's, it, it it is trying. Um, it it, go, it goes back to that idea of like, I, I appreciate everything that this band is doing. I understand what they're pushing, but I also understand that if I were entered into a conversation with any one of these people, I'd want to punch them in the <laughs> fucking mouth. Like absolutely the worst, most pretentious dicks. Like, Conceivable, um, like no, I mean it. Yeah, it just I, you know, I, I I like a lot of the music that this influenced. I and I, I like I, I like a good three songs yeah. on this record. Um, there are a couple tracks I'll go back to. I yeah, wouldn't honestly. Sister Ray was my favorite of the uh, things, which. Apparently, I'm into 17-minute-long jams. you know
1: that the Buzzcocks met over a a common interest in the song "Sister Ray"? <laughs> really? It was a, like one of them posted like a classified. It was like looking for members to work up our own version of Sister Ray. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then they became huh. the
4: Buzzcocks. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. That's so
1: good. I, I was like, "Hey, you like this 17-minute-long noise jam? Well, how about we write some catchy power punk songs?" <laughs> <laughs> It's a shame nothing came out of that. <laughs> what do you guys think about uh, about the song we're listening to right now? Here she comes now. It it's nice. It's like it's a, a little power cleanser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it totally is, and it's like it's so simple and just kind of pretty. And well, that, it's that like guitar a little...
3: riff it's so like chimey, and it that sounds like something the birds would play almost. And
1: and lyrically, it's just like a little mantra. Yeah. You know, and it uh, it could be about a, a variety of different things. You know, here she comes now. Uh, <laughs> sure. Anything from literally, I wonder when she'll arrive, to I wonder when she'll orgasm, mm. to I just took these drugs, I wonder when the effects will come. You know, some people even mm. think it's about his, like, guitar. guitar. Yeah, because yeah.
2: she looks so good and she's made of wood.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I, I get that. It's a
2: lovely I, song, just
3: musically. Yeah,
1: It sounds... Like it belongs on Velvet Underground and Nico a little well, bit. And it's nice yeah. having, just like right in the middle of this album, just like a little bit of a nod to the psychedelic folk that they did sure. in the other one. And yeah, just like a palate cleanser. I wonder I, if it
3: was written around the same time as these or if it was a, a holdover from, from the first mm. session.
1: Um, and it's so short. It's just like a minute and a half mm. little like oasis of sanity before like another Nightmare and is, starts. Am I right
3: in that that is the end of the first side?
2: Uh yes, the, the second because side second only side has, has yeah two songs enough for room that. for Sister Ray in one song. Sure. <laughs> the the well, that's a perfect closer. Oh for, yeah. yeah,
1: for that side, yeah.
2: yeah. I heard her call my name. Is that's the yeah. most difficult one for me.
1: It's the, the 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 like the free jazz style get like distorted guitar that he's doing. Uh, it's, so he takes. It's not all that
3: rewarding for me either. No. Oh,
1: no where it really loses me and you know like the more I listen to it 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 loses me less but it does still lose me uh the he takes a few solos the first solo is like a noise solo and but I can dig it uh it's got the like the the, the bass is steady and the bass is playing melodic runs so as long as that's there he, he's doing his noise guitar over it but it's still like grounded in this bassline melody the second solo he takes, the bass will just drop out, hmm. and so all of a sudden there's no melodic frame of reference, and it's just squealing guitar.
3: And there's no bass frequency. There's no bass frequency.
1: And that's where it loses me. Yeah,
3: sure. I mean, that's, it, that's hard. If you look
2: at it as a a a piece that's trying to accomplish something because of that change in tonality, I think it makes a little bit more sense. And that's what I've realized is that he sort of. Screams at around 2 minutes and 15 seconds or doesn't scream, but he says at 2 minutes and 15 seconds and then my mind split open mm-hmm. And then uh, after the mind split open part He just goes and squeals and it's just his guitar squealing and doing his thing while the uh, drummer is just kind of find like what they think the tempo mm-hmm. should be and and becoming more increasing in, in severity it's interest
1: it's interesting that you mentioned that lyric that makes at least three songs on this album that have some kind of reference to splitting a mind or a head. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the gift, Lady Godiva's operation, and now I heard her call my name. Yeah. All, all head trauma references. Yeah, well, yeah.
0: very, very. <laughs> if there was a time where heads. You know, things busting out of heads, or trying to change your mind, or things like that. It's 1967, right? But this isn't know. like
1: the I- expand your mind with right. like flowers coming. It is like, like no, there's the a v- knife v- in my brain. Yeah, there's a
3: knife v- <laughs> v- <in> the <laughs> literally.
2: A yeah. sheet metal cutter is well, in my brain.
1: I guess it's a different approach
3: <laughs> from the the marijuana and the mushrooms and the ecstasy of the one to the meth and the heroin. Maybe use of of mm. the other camp there. Um, yeah. Because this is decidedly, you know, not hippie music. No, no,
1: no, it is not. This
0: is amphetamine no. and heroin music. It, it, is, so. not no. it is
1: not groovy. No, it's not groovy. White by White Heat is groovy.
0: Yeah, that is mm-hmm. certainly, yeah. Yeah, probably the most psychedelic influenced of of the bunch. Yeah, and I mean, there was this... there was a thing at the
3: time of of you know removing certain elements of songs. I mean, a little later, Eno came up with those oblique strategies cards, which he used, and you know, you take a a prominent. Part or instrument or something, and you remove it from the equation entirely. So there's a song you wrote without any symbols on it, for example, or you, you take you just but this sort of reduction or the reductive uh um process, uh, yeah. So maybe that was yeah. that was part of it as well, or maybe it was just uh, symbolic of, of that, and now it's just a time for his brain to explode no all over us,
0: yeah. No bass, and then it comes back and then it goes again, yeah. Tom Wilson just. <laughs> He's like yeah, you
1: know, he was hanging out with some prostitutes and they accidentally <laughs> push the button yeah, that yeah. kills the, the mic on the base. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, interesting things in the studio that they're yeah. taking the bass up and down or other weird stuff. Uh this really represents to uh the beginning of the stuff like Sonic Youth and uh, all mm-hmm. all of the the I mean, Glenn, New York, New York Branca, sort of yeah, yeah. New York noise uh that'll That'll come later. So I was I was really digging it. I no, do I have a no
3: wave too, maybe. No wave,
0: yeah. yeah. I guess that that's what it would be called. Um, I was gonna talk about the album cover real quick. It's supposedly a parting gift from Andy Warhol, and it was a black on black cover. So it looks all black, but uh, essentially on the original one, yeah, exactly. It's if you catch it in the light, too. yeah, you can you, you can see you an can image. see a tattoo image of a skull. Uh, so. I thought it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're going to get on white on white with the Beatles white album, but this, this was the true, you know, none more black, no, none more black, <laughs> obviously used again though with Metallica. I mean, they did the, Oh yeah, black on black. Uh, uh, no, for,
1: well, but the, the image was black on black. Exactly. A coiled snake. Yeah, exactly. Are you, are you talking
4: about when Lou Reed and Metallica put out the <laughs> record? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, it's I all w- come together. I wish. It's like the parts rhyme. <laughs> Circular.
3: Now, she ever comes now, now. She ever comes now, now. She ever comes now. now. If she ever comes now, now, if she ever comes now, now, if she ever comes now, oh, it looks so good, oh, she's made out of wood, just
0: look and see. Uh, I have a quiz for you guys. You ready? <laughs> Number one, the album's ugly and aggressive sound was intentionally... An intentional reaction against the, the one, Vietnam War, two, Summer of Love, uh, or three, Dangerous New York Streets. I want to say two. Yeah, two sounds right. But,
1: Four, uh, sucking on my ding dong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's three. What do you think? Okay. I like two. I'm going to go with two. Two, you're right. Summer of Love is the, supo- they were the okay. anti Summer of Love uh, oh, kind of hippies. That fits. This is all according to Rolling Stone, so, you know. There, there might be obviously they do have other uh, influences okay second one the album's fuzzed out guitar sounds were the direct result of the band's endorsement deal with one Vox two Fender three Marshall Vox Vox yep man two for two three though generally thought to be about uh, methamphetamine white light white heat may have partially inspired Lou Reed's interest in one astrology Two metaphys- phytic- metaphysics, Oh. <laughs> or three, Satanism. Metaphysics, Satanism. <laughs>
3: Fluorescent lighting. Uh, I'm gonna go metaphysics. Physics. Uh, uh, I don't even know if he has an interest in that. Uh,
1: uh, I'll pick C, Satanism. Okay. No one else has picked uh, it yet.
0: Meta- metaphysics. <laughs> 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 I think I, I like metaphysics physics. Metaphysics. <laughs> 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 <Metaphytics>. <laughs> I mean, it's about methamphetamines. <laughs> it's <Metaphytics. laughs> it's what your body does when you're on methamphetamines. <laughs> Alright, last one. Lou Reed's guitar solo on I Hear Her Call My Name was a tribute to what jazz saxophonist? 1. Ornette Coleman. 2. Stan Getz. <laughs> or 3. John Coltrane. <laughs> I would imagine it's Ornette Coleman. <laughs>
1: no, it's not Stan Getz.
0: Getz. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Reed doesn't get gas.
0: <laughs> what do you think?
1: Reed, his, you mean his smooth bossa nova solo during <laughs> <laughs> "I Call My Name"? I just had to put it in. So. <laughs> um, any guesses? I'm guessing Coltrane.
0: Uh, it's Ornette Coleman. All right. Yeah, yeah he was the the free jazz saxophone. Yeah. They loved Ornette Coleman. I remember. Uh, I remember a documentary about Ornette Coleman and Velvet Underground. where It's one of their, you know, big influences because he had that. Dissonant uh, jazz. He was better at it than Lou Reed was. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Uh, after this album, too, uh, Reed and Kale, you know, being the most creative forces and butting heads, two egos, uh, represented the rest of the band with an ultimatum, declaring that he would leave the group unless Kale was sacked. <laughs> uh, Morris and Tucker reluctantly sided with Lou. And Doug Ewell was uh, recruited to take on Kale's place. Mm-hmm. Kale did all right on his own. I believe oh, yeah. Did. Yeah. Uh, so how do we feel on this album? I'm a definite plus. Yeah. I mean, this brings in the Sonic Youth elements of just being a little bit wild, unusual, crazy, but still keeping it in a palatable rock vein. I'm not so... Uh, I don't love some of the lyrics because it's the repeated themes and things I think it could have been a a fit with the music a bit better Um, but
3: those repeated motifs are exactly what a lot of that music is those those sort of motoric repetition of the the basic patterns and then um, I mean the the lyrics and the and the, the words just being a sort of another vehicle there to then freak out in their own non-hippie way yeah when, when you're playing
1: yeah. a song for 17 minutes and you're high yeah sometimes you need to repeat a verse or fair enough what'd you think rob
4: yeah yeah i'd, I'd, I'd say <laughs> that's fine <laughs> if someone asked me if i should listen to it I'd, I'd say yes whether or not i thought they would like it like I, it's good to expose yourself to some of the shit and uh yeah it's it it, it it, a lot of it is totally palatable, and the things that aren't palatable, you know, cool.
1: Whatever. It is. It, it's important to expose yourself to it. Uh, I'm going to give it a, a positive. I don't think I'll listen to White Light White Heat very often, but I, like, it's difficult, you know, and I'm, I'm not always wanting to listen to something difficult, but I think it's really important. Uh, I think that it should be heard. Especially, you know, to someone who's young, just starting to get into, like, making music. Someone that likes rock and roll and likes to, like, kind of push that boundaries and fray the edges. Like, definitely. Like, send them a copy of White Light, White Heat. Give them that dirty (laughs) tood.
2: Suck on their ding-dong, you know? Sucking on my (laughs) ding-dong.
1: As I'm sucking on another
4: (laughs)
2: ding-dong. Yep.
1: It's
2: the strongest... Shape is Train <laughs>
1: of ding dong will never stop <laughs> Sucking on my ding-dong lucky one. So what you're saying is it's not a hostess reference <laughs> They're not just sitting around uh, eating a bunch of tasty cakes I mean, they are delicious well, right? That is one interpretation I think yeah. that, uh, melon camp Sucking on chili dogs Yeah, yeah. sucking yeah. on chili <laughs>
4: dogs <laughs> outside the Tasty Freeze I, I think that you could absolutely draw that line Yeah, the
1: Tasty Freeze is actually a, uh, pretty notorious, uh, brothel In, uh, Bloomington <laughs> Indiana. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I definitely give it a positive, if nothing more for uh, the effect that it had on on the Coog. But no, it's it's great. Um, Definitely laying a lot of groundwork for for future future reference, and also just to listen to it as as its own, doing its own thing at this period of time. uh, You know, an antithesis to the Summer of Love. I love. Thank goodness for that. I love the thought
3: of arguing a direct. Pedigree from Velvet Underground to John Mellencamp—direct <laughs> predecessor.
4: Well, I'm pretty sure I played a show in a basement called the Tasty Freeze at one
1: point in time. So maybe was that the Kooks' house? Mm-hmm. Cooks house is on Lake Monroe.
3: It might have been the coup. Uh, anyway, to, ra- to round it out, uh, yeah, this is a this is a plus positive for me. Um, yeah, some songs I, I won't go back to very regularly. I'd probably rather go just listen to Sonic Youth or something. But um, yeah, for for what it did, for what it it, it brought in the and just the uh, the the new sounds there, um, and it's got some some bangers too. Um, so yeah,
0: all all around thumbs up. Cool. All right, next time we'll be talking about Jimi Hendrix. Access bold as love. Thanks,
4: y'all.
3: Busy waiting for her
1: booster. She's just back from Carolina. She says she's found to beat of sailor.